All right, this is the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. We're coming in uh, on hump day after UFC 246 and before Bell Tour 238. As always, Ed Carbajal here with Drunk Arena <laughs> attendee Matthew Hawkins. And this week's uh, special guest is uh, uh, Nolan King of MMA Junkie. Uh, welcome, Nolan. Thanks for coming coming in. Anytime, guys. Anytime. I'm I'm always here to chat fights. We had a, we had some good ones last weekend, and we have. We have no time to rest. We got two cards coming up on Saturday, and I'm happy to be here chatting with you guys. Yeah, it was a, a wild weekend, and it's nice to get the uh, drunk tag from Ed. I was just bleed a couple weeks ago, but coming from someone that's reaching the obnoxious badge on the Untapped app, I, uh, <laughs> I, I it's pretty nice to come from coming from Ed. Um, yeah, wild wild weekend in Vegas. Uh, second time out there for me in uh, about a five week span, so that can catch up, but. Uh, you know, it wasn't the most meaningful card, certainly in UFC history, but uh, a lot of good action uh, pretty much from start to finish. So uh, kept me awake, kept me uh, excited. And, uh, you know, that crowd, uh, I mentioned Connor fans before, that crowd can certainly uh, <laughs> change your emotions as, a, as an MMA fan. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a pretty wild scene out there uh, when, when he fights. Yeah, I um I don't know what stood out to you guys. I I know me and Nolan were very active on uh Twitter the night of the fights. Uh I mean, we were both writing and covering the, for our respective outlets. So, um I mean, uh I guess we'll, we'll just start with what everyone's talking about, the main event, uh McGregor and Cerrone. Um I don't know if anybody Matt knows who I picked, but Nolan, I I've been having uh horrible predictions. I closed out 2019 picking fights horribly and it looks like i'm starting uh that way too because i had i had picked uh cerrone to win but then uh, obviously the main event uh you know the 42nd finish by by mcgregor um i don't know man what, what was your take take away from it i mean yeah I, I thought that the card from top to bottom was like matt said the action was there i, I like the word that you used meaningful um you know i, I felt like obviously you got a conor mcgregor fight so there's meaning there but the rest of the card, um, from co-main event to the first fight of the night, there was nothing that really screamed off the page like, oh, this is going to have big implications going forward. I mean, the closest thing that you had to that was Macy Barber, and we saw how that mm -hmm. went. Um, but, yeah, as far as the McGregor fight goes, yeah, I mean, I said this in a tweet too, and I, I feel like it's better to be explained, uh, you know, over camera or in a conversation, but I, I – had no doubts that Conor McGregor was going to win that fight. I thought that he was going to win it early by knockout. I had said second round. Uh, so if, if you had, if, if I had been told prior to this fight, you're going to wake up Sunday morning and Conor McGregor is going to have knocked out Donald Cerrone. Are you surprised? I would have, or would you have been impressed by that? I would say no, but I am. He, he, he found out a way to even exceed my expectations of what I already expected to be a fight in which he would dominate. So I mean, again, he, he, he's – I think that the way that he did it with the shoulders, with the the, the hip, everything, man, I, I think that that was the type of performance he needs where people were saying, oh, there's not as much buzz this week for a Conor McGregor fight. I think he's going to – he's going to use some of this – or he's going to use this performance to get that buzz for his next one. I think people are, are excited about this Conor 2.0 that we're seeing. That's exactly what he needed to do. So in that case, I mean, tip of the cap to him. I think that uh, he's going to be rolling into his next fight. Yeah, I felt the same way. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think during our, our predictions, I predicted Connor to win by by knockout. Uh, I thought Cerrone had a chance if, if kind of things went his way and he was able to stretch it out and, and perhaps get a takedown early and and really had a chance to change the momentum. But uh, not really a surprise. I, I think. Um, but but it's, it comes down to what you said, Nolan. I mean, I, I've uh, the last two times I've seen him fight live were against Alvarez and against Cerrone. And neither time was I. I mean, I'm not a huge McGregor fan. Uh, you guys are the big writers. I, I'm the I'm the fan that goes to the fights. Been going for a long time. I don't, you know, I, I I'm not afraid to kind of hold some of my fan biases. You know, I'll, I'll say them publicly. But when I leave these events, I, I I can't deny the guy's skills. I mean, you see it, and you're just like, you know, I, I want him to be tested in the fights I go to. But when I go see him fight, he's just knocking everybody out. So I can't really, you know, it, there's no there's no knock on the guy. Um, he came in here after a long layoff, uh, after a, a pretty 
brutal defeat uh, in his last fight. Hadn't won since November of 16 in the Alvarez fight that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, the shoulders, uh, the the head kick. I, I mean, it was basically Terminator McGregor out there. Uh, and I'm a Fedor fan, so that's – I mean, that's kind of what Fedor does, uh, especially later in his career. He goes in there, and it's kill or be killed, and that's, that's the McGregor. And if he fights like that, uh, I mean – Win or lose, honestly, he's going to have a lot of fans, and uh, it was it was it was a fun show. Uh, like you said, I thought the only fight that really meant anything was possibly the barber fight. Uh, I wish I had put more money on on Matafari. Um, the odds were, were astronomical when I got into Vegas. She was like a plus eight hundred, mm-hmm. uh, which which I thought was crazy. I but I didn't I didn't lay down enough. I had her on yeah. a parlay that didn't work out. But uh, same here. You know, it, it's uh, you know the the girl sitting next to me won twelve hundred bucks on her. So you know I, oh, I, nice. there was. Yeah, and uh, but it was fun. Um, Fajeda looked great against Anthony Pettis. I think that could be something that we start to see. He's on a nice little roll right now. Um, his name value uh, with a win over Pettis obviously goes up. And um, what we've seen, especially with the fight announcements in the last couple of weeks from the UFC, is really name values all that kind of matters right now. Um, Aldo getting a fight uh, off a loss in a division he's never won a fight. Uh, Romero, two losses in a row. So. Um, even when I mentioned the fight main event, not necessarily having a ton of meeting, uh, you know, it, it's hard to, even if McGregor had lost this fight somehow, I still think he gets the Khabib pipe at 155. I mean, that's kind of where, where we're at in the UFC, but uh, you know, for credibility's sake, it, it was nice to see him get a win and, and put on an exciting show. What was your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I mean, uh, be, before I even talk about my horrible mistake with the Modafferi barber, I mean, uh, so I, I was talking to before we started recording and, and Nolan, you joined us. I was t- talking about how my picks, uh, you know, I, we all do the picks at Sherdog and uh, my picks have been super horrible. And uh, but one of the rare things I do is I'll, I'll pick a, a, a great underdog to win. Like I did it with Masvidal versus Till and uh, I did it for this event with uh, Modafferi and, and Barber. But uh, when I when I put my money down, I was a little too ac- a little too uh, specific. I had her. I had her pick to win by submission because um, that was plus 2200 if it, if it paid. But um, obviously that didn't happen. She went for it, though. So, you know, neither here nor there. Um, but um, uh, as far as the whole thing, so with the main event, McGregor and Cerrone, the, one of the things that I, uh, I wrote about in my seven takeaways piece, I do this editorial now for MMA News where I do seven takeaways for every uh, pay-per-view event. And the last one that I wrote about was... Um, uh, I know we're we're praising McGregor and and everyone. A lot of folks had him picked to win. I actually said that's a possibility when I was making my prediction about him, you know, finishing the fight early, which he did. But um, one of the things I think, uh, as far as we're looking at Cerrone and how he performed, um, it was only forty seconds. But I think, I mean, the guy fought like five times in in twelve months, and um, you know, he lost to Gaethje, Ferguson, and and. I forget all the the list, but you know, I think uh, at his age, when you especially when you train and, and take damage, it's not like he, he left all those fights you know unscathed. He lost, and he, and I think that damage just ca- keeps carrying over and over. And that anywhere, anytime attitude, it's cool and it's fun, but I think we see the result of it when you when you're just doing too much. I mean, the body, he's he's still a human being, so I mean, and that's my takeaway from 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 that particular fight. It's not. It's not a knock on Cerrone. Obviously, he said he's not going to retire, but I do think he should probably take some time off and maybe just do. I mean, most guys average three fights a year. Maybe he should try to be a little more human as a competitor um, versus uh, knocking him the way that uh, Stephen A. Smith did. And Nolan, I, I know you wrote about that over at Junkie. So um, I don't know if you if you wanted a, to if you wanted a, a Florida to voice anything else about that. This is the place to do it, my man. Yeah, no, no doubt. And it's, I feel like, you know, myself, or I wrote an article about it for Junkie, and there were some other outlets that also wrote similar articles with using, using the same quotes. And, you know, I saw a lot of people kind of criticize the write up for two reasons, one of which was, uh, or I guess really one reason, which is, you know, who cares what Stephen A. Smith thinks? And I, I think that that is kind of a almost a point of me writing that was who cares what Stephen A. Smith thinks, but in turn more so that he shouldn't be on the broadcast when he's saying things like that. Um, you know, and I saw some people defend him saying, Oh, well, 
you know, he what did he say that was wrong? Cowboy did look atrocious. And, yeah, it was, it was not a good performance by any means when you go out and get knocked out in 40 seconds and don't land a punch. But if you start claiming that the guys are quitting, which is what he was doing and what he was insinuating, if you look at the quotes, uh, you know, that's wrong. And for somebody to be up, that's where I draw the line, where it's like, okay, you're on the ESPN broadcast. Talk, you're one of the UFC, like the UFC broadcast partners, people that is literally standing up there and supposed to give your take on the sport. If you're giving takes like that, they're worthless other than they get conversations going about how bad you are. And I, I understand that's kind of the culture of his show and the Skip Baylesses of the world where they say these things and people just are, like to argue with them or laugh at them or whatever, and they get in fights. But I, I would prefer not to see that on a broadcast. And that's kind of where my article was coming from. It wasn't that I c- care about or I take his, uh, his argument into consideration. It's more he shouldn't be on the broadcast is what kind of the point I was trying to draw by providing evidence to people. I, I have a little bit of a take on that. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't even really, I, I don't like defending Stephen A. Smith. Um, I guess my defense for him would be that he is the number one guy technically on ESPN. So the UFC signs him on. I don't like he's a part of it either. I don't think he should be on it. Um, I compared him to the guy who sits around the water cooler on, on the Monday after a fight and is commenting on the fights. Um, and, and that's, that's, I mean, I would say that's the casual fans or the, the fan that just watches the big fights. It's hard to watch that and not say Cowboy looked atrocious. Um, mm-hmm. the give up, the give up thing is, is a totally different ball game. There's no excuse for that. Um, but throughout the history of MMA, I mean, when Tim Sylvia fought Fedor, nobody left that going, well, Tim Sylvia looked good. He got, he got finished in 36 seconds. I mean, there's certain just because we love Cowboy, I think we got to admit that he didn't look great. I mean, even if it's not out of his control, sure, he broke it. Yeah, Connor broke his nose with a shoulder, but basically, you know, eight seconds into the fight, all this, all that said and done, we can't defend him too much. I mean, if a quarterback goes down and throws seven interceptions, you don't say, well, he had a good week last week. Sure. I mean, it's just, so, so that's my defense of that. I guess my other defense would be for guys like Joe Rogan to sit there and act smug, uh, smug about it. Let's not forget Joe Rogan said that Ronda Rousey would beat half of the men at 135 pounds. So there's stupid shit said by <laughs> even even the guys yeah. that we consider the smartest minds sure. in MMA, which is Joe Rogan. So I, I agree he shouldn't be having a part of it, but I feel like that's kind of like when you sign a deal with the devil, uh, in a sense, signing with ESPN, this is what you're going to get. Um, nobody thought ESPN had any good takes. I mean, we have Dana White now talking about doing deals with Bob Arum. We've all heard what Bob Arum has said. If Bob Arum gets on the air, we're likely to hear some more gibberish that makes no sense to to big MMA fans. So it's just kind of one of those things. I don't think Stephen A. Smith meant insulting as as far as I don't think he meant he saw the big picture of how it would be taken. I think he was like doing an analyzation, like as if he was watching a football game or something. And like I said, a quarterback threw you know five interceptions. It's he's there to criticize. Cerrone, from an outside perspective of somebody who's not big into the game, it, it arguably can deserve a little critici- critici- you know, to be criticized yeah. for getting finished in 40 seconds. So that's I, I feel bad for defending Stephen A, but I just that's kind of the way I felt, and that's uh, that's how people I felt like that's kind of the take of the fan vibe in Vegas was Cowboy shouldn't have really been in there, um, you know. It, but it's all hindsight. I mean, we, yeah. we, we're all excited going into the fights. Yeah. You know, so it's one of those things. But, yeah, I, I prefer he didn't be in there. I don't know if there's anybody in ESPN who really qualifies to even uh, – I suppose Max Kellerman perhaps because of his boxing background. But I've also heard him say some really stupid stuff um, yeah. about about UFC and MMA over the years. So it's – when you got talking heads, I think you're just bound to get – I mean, their shows are based off opinions. Too many talking guy. heads. You know, I mean, <laughs> I guess there are so many talking heads there that because of the, the – the scape, the the you know how big the event was, but I mean uh, my take was was it's funny because like I kept thinking what some what you said whoever commented on your thing Nolan was I was like yeah you know what that's why they have Stephen A Smith doing things like that because they know he's gonna rile people up and get them interacting with the content and 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 looking at the video and stuff like that and the other thing was too that I because uh, Luke Thomas even said something about why didn't they have Max Kellerman and I was just like well maybe. Uh, Maybe maybe somebody had a scheduled day off, or somebody called out sick, and they were like, "Hey, Steven, you know, we, we know you like running your mouth. Why don't you just jump in there, even though you don't know anything?" Because he was pretty he was pretty open about 
I mean, it's weird because he it's like one of those things where, where when someone's going to insult you, they'll be like, yeah, you know what? I like your work. I like everything you do, but you're still an asshole. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like he did one of those things where he where he was like uh, saying, I don't know anything. But then he still came with his uh, with his uh, vitriol that he likes to I guess he's known for being just upset about everything. I don't know. I really don't follow other sports. So. Uh, whatever for him. Yeah, and it's it's really like the culture of you know I get totally get Matt uh, Matt's point of why he's on there in terms of like he's popular, he's ESPN's go to guy, he draws viewers, everything like that. So maybe you know maybe the problem that I have with it is is bigger culturally than just MMA. Uh, that that it's more about uh you know what who can say something that gets the most attention versus who can say something that's the most meaningful. So. I mean, there's a lot of different ins and outs of this whole thing, and I'm not stupid. I, I I totally understand the business side of Stephen A. Smith. I mean, again, there's just I, I go back and forth in my head because I think that his knowledge of MMA is different than his knowledge of football. Like, I think he knows how football is played. I think he knows how basketball is played. But when you're up there and you're saying all he landed was a kick, uh, what did he say? A leg kick to the body. That was all he landed, and it's like, well, a leg kick to the body is not a thing. Um, you know, that's not. I, I get it. I get. I get it. But I, I draw the line at a certain point. I guess is where I where I would put myself in this debate. I, I think maybe we can come to an agreement that it was the wrong place in the time for it. If he wants to do it on his Monday morning show uh, with whoever he's on there, Skip Bayless or whoever yeah. he's arguing with for that week on his show, um, I think that's a totally different thing. If you're doing it actually. 15, 20 minutes right after the fight, standing next to the cage, next to Daniel Cormier, Joe Rogan, you know, in their UFC, you know, uh, microphones or whatever the heck's going on. I, that's maybe a little out of place to be to be bashing the guy. Uh, yeah. I guess you don't you wouldn't see Stephen A. Smith go up into the booth immediately after a, a, a football game, stand there with, uh, you know, Troy Aikman and start and start. Yeah, bashing that, was, the guy. that was that was the weird thing was it was like. The first thought that we had after that event, the first thing we saw, the first like digestion we got was them cutting to Stephen A. Smith, who then was the first person to really talk in the conversation. So I think it just kind of came at us fast. Like if this was, I don't know, the next morning, I probably wouldn't have been a big deal, I don't think, to anybody or on a show, like you said. Uh, but it was just kind of a especially like I feel like he's good for those morning shows, but to have him like as like a post game person was even weird to begin with i don't know if he does that with other sports too that i'm just you know not remembering but for me i've always considered him to be like the morning guy that getting these heated debates and has there's an audience for that so that would be one thing but just was that was the guy the ufc was shoving in your espn was shoving in your face as soon as the fight ended yeah i thought it was the wrong time for that now i mean now that we talk about that makes that makes more sense to me because i yeah i don't think i would see you would see him on the field or on the basketball court or anything like that. I mean, seconds, minutes after the fight or after a, a, a game. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, uh, I guess a couple, only other thing I'd have to, I have a question for you is where do you see Al- Alexi Olianek? I, I know he's 43 years old. Um, he basically lost kind of a title contender shot, uh, to, to Overeem, uh, what a fight or two ago now. Um, do you, I mean, I don't know what his fight contract situation is. He's one of the guys that I think would be a perfect like retirement fight for Fedor in Russia. Uh, mm. So part of me kind of almost wanted to see him lose this fight. But, I mean, the guy's just a magician on the mat. Uh, Ed being a BJJ guy, I just, you know, where, what is your opinion on that guy and, and where he kind of stands in the all-time scheme of MMA? Yeah, it's, you know, he's an anomaly of sorts. So it's kind of hard to place him. Uh, he has a very unique skill set. He's older. Uh, you watch him fight and it looks like, I think I was saying this to somebody else. My favorite part of when these big fights happen where the whole world's watching Conor McGregor or the BMF title or Jones Cormier is these other outside peripheral fighters that get kind of dragged into like the public spotlight. Cause they're in the fights leading up to these big fights. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of interesting going online and seeing how he attracted people's attention. Like that he was this old dude, Russian guy who doesn't, you know, he, he's very, he, he looks like he fits the part. You know what I mean? Like he's a 43 year old Russian dude. Doesn't look like he's a freak athlete or anything, but he goes in there and just tosses these guys and submits them. So it's hard because when he has been put in there against, you know, good strikers like Overeem, uh, I'm trying to think it was Walt Harris. Walt, the other Walt Harris. Yeah. Just, them. That was kind of an injury type weird finish, but it's tough. So, I mean, I, I would treat him like I would any other contender, you know, get him back in, get, get him somebody that's a ranked opponent next, see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he he walked away unscathed. I just wrote up the medical suspensions, and I think he had like 
45 days or something. So he can be rebooked right away. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll give him a, give him a top 15 guy again and see how it goes. Uh, I wouldn't hold back. Clearly he can hold his own. And uh, again, the, the skill set's the big thing though, the uniqueness of the skill set in the heavyweight division. There's not a lot of guys that can do that. So he has really a chance against most of the top 15, especially mm-hmm. uh, with we, how we know these things go down with the big men where there's a lot of times not rhyme or rhythm to what's going on in terms of who wins and not, who doesn't. How does how does a match with uh, Verdun? Verdun just got his um, his contract or his suspension dropped, right? Yeah, I think that's that, perfect. I, I love that fight. I think that would be a good one. The UFC is going back to Russia, I, th- I believe. Uh, you know, in June, I think is what I've heard. I don't know if that's like official or or if it's signed, set, and sealed or whatever. But that's like the rumblings right now is that they'll be back in June. So that would maybe be a good time frame if you wanted to wait out, you know, a little bit longer than. Because when's Verdun back? Is it March or something? It, yeah, I think so. I just saw that it was dropped to, what, 10 months or something? For, yeah, I, I, I wrote that article from my junkie. I should have re- remember that. But all the uh, the USADA stuff kind of blends together. But I believe <laughs> it was like, you know, like some sometime around then it was, uh, let's see. Duh, 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 reduce that. Um, he'll be back on March, April 1st. So, that would, that would be within yeah. that time frame. Um, you know, maybe they both want to get in there before then. But either way, I, I think that's a perfect – that's a matchup that makes itself, you know? Yeah. Well, one of the things about the uh, – uh, when you get two grapplers like that together, though, it's the same thing like when I heard the news of uh, Gilbert Burns and Damian Maya um, facing each other soon. How much do you uh, love that fight? I mean, I love it, but – and it's funny because Burns is talking about, you know, how he wants to get the torch of jiu-jitsu and carry it in the UFC as the, the jiu-jitsu guy, which he definitely can – and I love the fight, but it's not a jujitsu match. Yes. So when you see stuff like that, it's going to be, uh, I, 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 it's the same thing. Like when you see two strong wrestlers, you, you don't, you don't expect them to go for takedowns. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, um, like Usman and uh, Covington. You know, they're they they their grappling cancels each other out, and I think they're going to test each other in, in striking. But so it's the same thing when you talk about the the matchup with Verdum and and Olenek. Um, you know, I feel like I feel like they're just going to um cancel their they're uh, grappling out and, and try to, you know, swing for the fences or, or whatever it may be. But about the, the fight with him and Green, another one of my bad picks. I, I picked Green to win just because he's younger and I thought he could probably uh, uh, clap up Olenek enough just to make him quit or, or fatigue him or something like that. I mean, even though Olenek was, was fatigued, I feel like, I mean, uh, the fans in the I, – I feel like I caught that fans in the arena were bored with that fight, even though I thought it was technically fun for me as a jiu-jitsu guy. I loved uh, – Watching the back and forth that Kesagatami that that uh in the first round that would have made most people tap that was was like how long was he in that position it was a long time and uh, Green didn't tap and then uh you know obviously he wound up getting submitted later with the with the armbar that was kind of in a weird position but when you're when you're a good when you're good at jujitsu like that at at the level that Olenek is um you know you're gonna get the submission you're going for if if it's one you move on to the other and and that's that's what he did, but um, I mean, were were they booing that fight, Matt, when you were there, or, or were you too drunk to pay attention? <laughs> Once again, I don't buy the nineteen dollar <laughs> beers inside T-Mobile. There, Ed. Um, oh. Were they booing it? Uh, the first round, not so much, uh, but the second round, I think the boos came because of the the angle of the armbar and and mm. the way when you're in the arena, if you're not looking at, you know, it's different when the TV's right there, you can actually kind of see it happening. Um, to the untrained eye in the arena, it looked almost more like a guy just kind of laying on top of a guy in an odd position. Um, so I think that that was probably more, um, more of, of, of any kind of booing there. I mean, obviously you could tell both guys were getting fatigued. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think we were in for uh, a bit of a, a slop fest had that gotten to the third round. Uh, I think a lot of people there were rooting for green, uh, you know, the, the Russia thing in, in America, um, depending on the crowd and stuff, obviously you can get people that, that cheer openly against the Russian fighters and stuff. So I think that there was a lot of people rooting for green. And then the fact that he, uh, kind of had a chance in that second round when, when Olenek was tired and didn't really show a whole lot of, uh, savviness to kind of avoid the, the clinch. And it, it just kind of, you know, he kind of fell into it. He was obviously tired too, but, uh, I think that that was a combination. And then once they hit the ground there in that mm. arm bar position, I mean, I didn't think he was going to finish that arm bar. Uh, yeah, he, he got he got it with about twenty seconds left or so, in the, or yeah. thirty seconds left. I, I thought Green was going to hold out, um, and then and then obviously he, he kind of raised his hips there and, and 
did the final little lock on it. But uh, the the thing with those submissions, especially when you when you're looking at guys that train MMA gloves and stuff like that, I mean, it, it's it's you can crank the arm even if the guy's resistant. You can crank the arm in, in weird and awkward ways because of the way the glove kind of gives you that extra handle on the guy's limb when you're going for it. You know, guys used to train with. I mean, they do it for for when they're getting ready for MMA fights because they they have to know how to deal with that. You know, because you know, like me, I grapple with no gloves. But if I had a, if I had a glove on, probably most of my armbar escapes wouldn't work because that end piece, the weakest point of the limb, is always going to be stuck at the end of that submission because of the glove. So that's that's kind of what happened with uh with Green as he, he, it looked like he was kind of getting out and and only they kind of just cranked it and hipped in and and that was that was that i mean it looked painful when you watch it in slow motion actually but um anyway i mean i i don't know what else uh to to take away from 246 it kind of set the tone of what we're going to look for for the rest of the year in uf in the ufc and um i mean uh, obviously uh nolan you, you guys probably get the most uh hot takes and have written the most stuff about where to go from as far as what whether he's going to do 170, 155, Masvidal, Usman, Nate Diaz, uh, you know, obviously the Khabib thing. It seems like, you know, Dana White's pushing for the Khabib thing, but we know to go usually go the opposite of what he says. But by the way, he does stuff. So I don't know what, what's what what's your take on uh, where we go from here. I mean, there's there are options. It's a good problem to have. Sometimes we have the opposite problem where there's not enough contenders or whatever. So to have, uh, you know, big fights are going to happen regardless. Uh, we have a handful of uh, mix and match fighters that we can pair together to to make these fights. So it's really just a matter of who. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the oh Connor's definitely next for Habib for like a couple of reasons. One being that uh, I don't remember the last time that like Dana's openly talked about the next fight beyond a title fight that's already scheduled yeah just totally ruling out ruling out tony ferguson like he doesn't exist yeah uh, you know usually even when dana starts to go that way he'll say well you know habib's got to get through tony ferguson first you know he's got to get through and he's not really doing that for this he was just very flat out saying oh this is what's going to happen next and for me i just think logistically like mcgregor's healthy he didn't get a medical suspension at all he could fight tomorrow if he wanted to uh for him to to wait all the way to april and then who knows how Habib's going to come out of that fight, you know, who knows what's going to happen when he'll want to fight again. So, and I feel like it's going to be a struggle to get this fight done on Habib's end. So, you know, in a perfect world, yeah, that would be cool if everything lined up perfectly and, you know, nobody was hurt and everything worked according to plan and you could have this on international fight week, whatever. But that, I don't think that's the case. And I don't understand if McGregor wants to fight three to four times this year, uh, Habib is going to make him stray from that plan, in my opinion. Yeah, they can't do that in July anyway because of Ramadan. Oh yeah, correct because of Ramadan. That's a whole other thing, you know. Yeah, so you lose what and you, Vegas because <laughs> Khabib won't play in Vegas anymore. <laughs> yeah, That's, true. Yeah, you said that. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, I was talking to friends that were asking me kind of how they saw the schedule playing out, and it, ideally for me, I would think you would do something like Masvidal maybe in May, yes. and then if you want, and then if he if he beats Masvidal, which is right now the money fight, I think, um, just for a crazy over the top uh, promotion and, and, uh, and obviously, I mean, it's going to sell it no matter what, but if you do that in like May, then it kind of puts Connor and Connor wins that fight. He really can make his play at that point for whatever the hell he wants to do. Um, he could, he could challenge Habib uh, and Dana will obviously have no problem giving that, or he can go after Usman. And I think it sets that both up possibly for like MSG in November. I know that that would be a nice little, it would be about a six month break, but after two fights for a guy who hasn't fought, uh, you know, has fought one time in like three years or twice now, I guess, in, in three years, um, a little bit of extra time, especially to go from a guy like Cowboy and Masvidal and then to be ready for a guy like Usman or, uh, or Habib again, uh, probably wouldn't hurt Connor. Um, anytime he gets uh, on the mat, uh, getting preparing for those guys wouldn't hurt. So that's kind of the way I see it. I just don't know if there's any big events. Um, Vegas is obviously booked already for March 7th. Um, and then April, they're already in Brooklyn. So I don't know what venue, unless you open something up like Cowboy Stadium or, uh, I mean, I don't know where you would take Connor, uh, mm. you know, at Hawaii. I mean, I, I don't know where you would do a fight with, with Masvidal where it would be a big enough fight in a month like May uh, where, where you would take that fight. That would be, I guess, my only question. Maybe Boston. I, I mean, I, I don't, 
uh, you know, something like that, I suppose would make some sense, but I can't really, uh, I can't really picture a fight of that magnitude taking place out of Vegas or, or New York. If, uh, if it gets made. And another issue too, I think with this whole, you know, I always look at it like, like hedging bets almost. And for McGregor and Masvidal say that, say that they go the route Dana's saying where McGregor is going to fight Habib next, you know, that would line up Masvidal and Usman and, we got two strikers versus two really good grapplers. There's a possibility that they both go out there, get smothered. And I feel like you're halting, you're going to end up halting two guys that are as on fire. I mean, McGregor's obviously been more popular before, but mm-hmm. their peak popularity in the sport right now, the two of them. And, and for you to, to be able to match them up and also have the other divisions thrive, it's not like you're going to have champions on hold here. You know, there, there are options out there for both guys. Uh, more so, obviously, for Habib than for for Usman, but Usman's hurt too. Apparently, he's got a, a hand injury, so who yeah. knows how long that's going to be? So, man, I, I think Masvidal McGregor's a fight to make, and it's going to be too bad if if they go otherwise, because those other fights will always be there. They'll always be the lightweight option for for uh, for McGregor, and they'll always, in my opinion, Masvidal has carved out enough of a space now where he's going to even if he went out and lost to McGregor, like he could throw him in a big welterweight fight, and people would be interested. Yeah, and if you look at the way that they that the if you rewatch the press conference and the way they were uh, both looking at things McGregor said and things that Dana White said, um, if you look long term, they, they obviously they love planning way way ahead. Um, it, it, the, you like you just, the, then the news came out of uh, Usman being hurt, so we're probably not going to see Masvidal Usman um, international fight week. They they usually like to stack that anyway. Uh, McGregor Masvidal would be perfect for for an event like International Fight Week, and then you know whoever's left standing from from that. Because if they, if if they if he has to do Khabib and McGregor again, I mean, why not bring that to the Garden? Khabib would, wants to would prefer to fight there anyway, and they usually like to, and with the exception of two thirty, they usually like to come really big to to MSG when they do come to the Garden. So um, I don't know that that's that's where I see it going. McGregor said he wanted to do. Three fights in the year. If he's going to stick to that, we got two more to look forward to out of him. Um, and um, I mean, I would personally, this is just me and my being a fan. I would like to see him Justin Gaethje just because I I, I like I like fights like that. I, I think Gaethje is a good fight for anybody. Um, you know, maybe people see Gaethje losing. Maybe he doesn't do the best, but I mean, Gaethje makes makes an entertaining fight that they don't call him the highlight for nothing. But um, I mean that that's that's where I I. I stand with it, but yeah, I could see, I could see McGregor and Masvidal more likely than all of the options we just talked about. You know, um, how about we just get rid of all weight cutting and we have these guys fighting, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was the frustration when you got a main event where they have, you know, Cowboy and, and, and uh, McGregor. And, and it's, it's given that they're, the reason they're doing that is because they don't want anybody to have trouble making weight mm-hmm. and that fight getting canceled last minute, especially with the, the depth of this card. But then you have Claudia Gadelia and, uh, and Alexa Grasso, it, why was I mean? Let's yeah. just cut the bullshit and, and sign that fight for a hundred and twenty-five pound fight. Uh, I mean, why why are we even cutting weight anymore? Let's look at the weight classes they're in. When they signed for the one hundred fifty-five pound fight, they fight at one hundred sixty-five pounds. When they, you know what I mean? Like, I just I, I think we got to get to that point too before we go there. I, I know uh, uh, Kavanaugh's calling for Gagey at one hundred seventy pounds. I mean, it it it's great yeah. if they don't have to cut weight, but. You know, it's just it's a weird it's a weird dynamic to me to have Dana White saying how great somebody looks, not having to cut weight, and then you literally have other people on the card who are missing out on paydays because they're struggling to cut weight, and mm. it just it just it doesn't make any sense to me. So, I mean, if I had one wish in twenty twenty, it would be that we figure out this whole weight cutting thing, and we get you know we stop having fights canceled. And I mean, the Grasso, I don't mean to get on a rant here, but the Grasso um, Gadelia thing, I just found ridiculous because. Uh, Grosso misses weight by five pounds or five and a half pounds. Uh, Gadelia weighs in, makes 115. Uh, I don't remember if she weighed in at 115 or 116, uh, but whatever, the, the difference was five and a half pounds. And, uh, and then the commission says, well, there's a, there's a three pound separation limit between the two. Did, it, could nobody tell Grosso that she, or uh, uh, Gadelia she can go drink a glass of water and we can have this fight? I mean, you know, all she she puts two pounds on. All of a sudden, it's a legit fight. She just doesn't cut that much, or she goes and drinks a, you know, a, a quart of water. I mean, it just seems weird to me that that's that's how we're we're figuring this out now. Because I mean, from Gadelia's perspective, she, I don't know if she got paid her show purse or not. I haven't seen any of that. But she, she, she okay? Did she, did she get her win win purse? 
I did not see that that seemed to be left out, so I would guess not. So, I mean, potentially she lost out on double pay. She lost out potentially on a bonus, a uh, fight night bonus, and she lost out on 30% of Grasso's purse because all over the fact that she literally could have drank a glass of water or stopped cutting weight 15 mm. minutes earlier. And and, not, and so it's just crazy to me that that's if the fights are accepted, unless the doctor shut down Grasso, which I think they kind of threw in there at the end to try to cover their ass a little bit, um, a five pound. I mean, we have heavyweight fights where people are forty five pounds, fifty pound difference. But all of a sudden, that it, when they're one fifteen, five pounds, or you know, four, three point one pounds, apparently would have been enough to cancel the fight and cost somebody. You know, Gadelia, who makes good pay, probably lost out on the opportunity to make another hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars if if she goes out there and, and has a great performance. So I just thought that, that that's kind of yeah. crazy, but that's my uh, well my take on that. Well. <laughs> Well, there's uh, not for nothing. I mean, it, it, it's the first uh, big event of the year. We got another one coming this weekend with uh, Bellator 238. Um, I don't know if it's uh, on anyone's radar or under the radar. I mean, pe- folks seem because uh, I know there's a UFC event in Raleigh, right? UFC Raleigh's that Saturday, too. But um, I mean, I'm going to be why I can only watch one. So I'm going to watch this one. Um, uh, and I know, Matt, you're going to be there. So uh, I, it's a. Uh, I feel like that might be the more popular event, being that it's Chris Cyborg's debut there for for the featherweight title. So um, I figure we could look at that card and and see what what we can uh, see on the main card of uh, what we think of the main card of Bellator uh, coming up this weekend. So um, this is the first fight on the main card. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, want to start with this one or do you want to go from the main event and work our way down. Uh, you, can, you. you can work up. Ava Knight's a, a former uh, champion boxer. Um, made her debut about uh, six months ago at a Bellator card again in the forum I was at. Uh, I think she was the first fight of the night that night. Uh, got a knockout win. Um, not a spectacular showing, but uh, you know I think that they're just trying to uh, to work on that division. Uh, I think that the 115 pound dilemma in Bellator is finding fights for Kerry Melendez, uh, who, who they can uh, obviously push and, and can be a, uh, a face for, for their lighter weight uh, women's division. So I think, uh, I think that that's basically why they're putting this fight on the card is to try to, you know, not only, you know, kind of have a women start the main card and finish the main card, but uh give them something to try to work for uh, to start creating some fights in that weight class. Uh, what do you think of uh, this fight mismatch up, uh, Nolan? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I don't know much about uh, about Emily, even though we share a last name. I believe uh, there's two Kings back-to-back on this card. I don't know if I've seen that before. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be biased here, but that it's really swaying me now that I see it because I think Tapology has her listed under a different last name. So I'm not sure maybe she just got married or, or you know, maybe we have an update in a tapology or maybe Bellator hasn't. But regardless, uh, you know, Ava Knight, serious boxing credentials coming over, like Matt said. Uh, she looked decent in her first fight. She got the TKO. So we'll see. You know, it's one of those longer-term projects. I don't think anything's going to be perfect. Uh, seeing that uh, King has seven pro fights versus, you know, the one – uh, that that Knight has. I mean, that's good that she's getting in there against other experienced opponents. So other other people that are taking it somewhat seriously, they're not the you know zero and one or one and four or something. So I, I mean, we'll see. I think it will be a good a good test, a good build. Just ju- just judging off of uh, you know the the information that I have on paper in front of me here. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, it always seemed like when they when Bellator pushes a fighter. They pull somebody out with with that's kind of an unknown to for them to kind of make their their uh, debut or whatever or whatever you want to call it against and and uh, I know she's got more fights in her or whatever but I mean if if uh, Knight uh, has a strong boxing pedigree I don't know much about her record in boxing and stuff but if she's if she's supposed to be really good at it I would imagine this this might lean towards her but but you never know I mean uh, a lot of the uh, you know a lot of these these uh, debut fighters that they they put on i mean this is the main card but uh you know the person on the other side of the cage from them is always really looking forward to uh, upsetting their debut so i mean i i guess uh i guess i'll uh i'll, I'll go with the one that has a photo on bellator's website <laughs> so uh smart pick yeah you've done this before <laughs> 
And there's the other king that you were talking hey, about. <laughs> I like this. Uh, is there? Is know. there? A, do they have a Krispy Kreme sponsor for this event? Yeah, true. However, <laughs> being the B side in back-to-back Bellator fights against, uh, you know, people that Bellator are trying to push, yeah, could be an zero and two night for the for the Kings. So it's making me <laughs> a little nervous here. You know, if 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 they take an L, I take an L. So be zero and three <laughs> on the night, and I don't I don't know if I like that, but it's kind of the way that I'm feeling here. <laughs> Well, based on their pictures, they look like they're related. So <laughs> we will. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I think this is a good fight. I mean, I think this is a fun fight. Raymond Daniels, former uh, Glory uh, kickboxing champion, uh, somebody I've I've had the pleasure to watch fight live uh, three or four times uh, in in Glory. I've never seen him fight MMA. Um, he's coming off a spectacular, like spinning tornado punch knockout. Um, just a, a human highlight reel. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a huge contender in, in Bellator, but uh, I can tell you right now, if he can manage to somehow get his record uh, into that double digit win column, a fight between before he gets, you know, too old here, a fight between him and like MVP would still be something to, uh, to watch. I mean, that would be, uh, that would be some street level or street fighter video game level shit. If, if that ever happened. Yeah. I mean, one thing, uh, uh, one thing about his, uh, from his, glory fights anyway um his kickboxing fights i mean he's got a really nice setup to to he does that he does do it like doing that spinning kick but he also does a roundhouse kick and shoots it right back in so that it goes uh the lead leg and he catches a lot of guys in the liver when he's not doing like the headshots that that hit that highlight reel that made it on espn so um he's got some really nice body finishes so i don't know if uh I think uh, obviously any anybody that 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 goes against anyone that has a really strong striking background, I would imagine uh, Jason King is is training in his uh, you know getting him to the ground and nullifying all of that because if he's not standing, he's got no you know he's got no tools. So, um, but like we said, uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm not gonna make a pick here because uh, you know he's only one and one in MMA, and and you never like I said if if he gets to the ground. That I think that's when we'll see uh, how much time he he needs uh, to work in the cage before before he becomes a true favorite. So I'm just gonna stay away from that one. Um, and I think the next one is uh, Mr. Pettis's debut. Uh, I, how did they not get his picture on Bellator's website? But anyway, you know how the UFC looks, looks like a couple rights. of kings. It's like yeah, a little... <laughs> 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 but uh, I mean, you know. Uh, I actually started writing something uh for, for five fights to watch piece I'm doing for MMAnews.com. This is one of them because it's Pettis's debut. Um, and again, like when they push a guy, usually like like the the UFC's guys when they go there they get a, a push. And and I, I I don't know if Pettis is getting that there just yet, but uh, you know, just judging by uh, Alfred's last name, I feel like he's probably one rough customer. Yeah, I don't know much about him. Uh, obviously, we all know Sergio Pettis, uh, Alfred Kashakian. Kashakian, yeah. Kashakian. Uh, you know, three three fight winning streak. Last fight, last loss was actually to Sean O'Malley, uh, mm. which is what I'm seeing here. Win win over Chris Beal, though, former uh, UFC fighter, right before that Matt fight. So um, obviously, he's got some experience. Uh, mm. Again, three fight win streak. So. You know, Bellator tends when they bring in guys, they, they tend to give guys kind of a, a, a fight to uh, showcase their skills. Um, that could be what the case is here, but uh, I, I think this will be another ca- uh, case where, you know, kind of like we saw with uh, Bolaños in his last fight, um, things don't always necessarily shape out like, you know, how they expect. Uh, I think you get some of these guys who also sign with Bellator and think maybe some of their competition is going to be a little. I mean, this isn't this isn't Benavides he's fighting, but. Um, but it's also uh, with eleven and four record and 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 some wins over some good fighters and being in the cage with some good guys, um, it's nobody to uh, to overlook. So um, should be an interesting fight. I uh, like to see yeah. get a finish. I feel like I haven't seen him get a finish in a long time. So um, yeah, Kashakian's not a bum, that's for sure. Uh, you know, unlike if you, if you look at the resumes of the the three unknowns that we've talked about so far on this card. Uh, I think he's definitely he's the most legitimate of them all by far. Um, but there's levels to this. Obviously, Sergio Pettis, a former top contender in the UFC. So, uh, you know, I'm guessing Pettis will still be the favorite. But Kashakian's actually a pretty decent fighter. Like like Matt pointed out, he lost to Sean O'Malley on the contender series. 
Uh, he lost to Ricardo Ramos on Dana White's looking for a fight when they were up in Maine. And then he also uh, he has lost to Juan Archuleta. So he's lost to good guys, and he has wins over UFC vets. Albert Morales, he knocked out. He's coming off of three straight knockouts. Uh, he also trains under Edmund Taverdian at Glendale Fighting. So uh, fits in line with the uh, you know the Shabazian, Gamburian last name. Uh, is that is that Armenian, right, or Albanian? Yeah, yeah, Armenian. Ar- Armenian is Armenian. Yeah. Uh, nice, judo, nice judo stuff from those guys. Yeah, they, I mean – Hey, that you know, if if he's following the path that Edmund Shabazian is, like, you know, I'm sure his tool, tools are sharp. I'm sure he's got sharp striking. It's just a matter of you're going up against a guy that, you know, at one point in time was a top four or five guy in the world and might still be. So we'll see what happens. But I think it's I think it'll be a good fight. It, you know, it's not a huge blowout. Phantom weight feature, but. Uh, I think I think the uh, the next one is going to be yeah we start to get fire here now yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, I mean uh, Nolan uh, I, I know you like to be uh, unbiased or whatever but I mean you can't how do you not love this fight yeah it's a great fight man uh, it makes a lot of sense and I know before the tournament started the featherweight Grand Prix Scott Coker had said uh, I believe it was actually in the press release that uh shortly after the first round concluded they would decide an alternate fight going forward uh i asked both fighters about this and neither one of them said that they had heard anything about it but to me this could be an alternate bout it looks very similar to what you would have in a tournament that would be an alternate bout uh you know corrales and archuleta both coming off first uh first round of the tournament losses but they're both you know they both lost to good guys and they're both still top of the division exciting fighters that people want to see so uh it's a tough matchup. I'm going to lean towards Archuleta just because Corrales, uh, you know, he seems like a lot of times when he picks up those marquee wins, he kind of has to take a, a beating to get there. Um, whereas Archuleta, I think, is technical enough to not let him off the hook. But it's a close fight, man. I think this is going to be one of the better fights on the card. And uh, it's kind of a hidden gem here. I haven't yeah. seen a lot of people talking about it, per se, compared to, obviously, the headliner and co-headliner. No, I predict that this will be the early fight of the year candidate after uh, after 25 days of 2020. Um, hmm. I, I, yeah, I just think it's gonna. Be, I think you're, you're in probably for a stand up war. Uh, both guys can take uh, are heavily heavily durable. Uh, they both take shots, uh, wear them well. Uh, I think Corral. It's hard to say. They're both huge power punches. I mean, they both have one punch KO power. Corrales might be somebody who kind of looks for it a little bit more than Archuleta, but uh, you know, I uh, I think Archuleta squeaks one out here. Uh, I don't know if we get a finish. It's a three round fight and a five round fight. I probably would take uh, see a knockout coming, but um, I could see uh, Archuleta doing some stuff on the feet, and then perhaps maybe you working a little bit of groundwork uh, to, to kind of wrap this fight up. Um, Corrales, I mean, it, Caldwell's a different animal. But uh, Caldwell pretty much held him down for for all three rounds of, the, of their opening round fights. So, um, I mean, if, if Corrales has a weakness, it's certainly on the ground. So, uh, but I, I think I think we're in for a barn burner here. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, like I said, it, it only makes sense. I assumed it was a. I was going to ask you, but I assumed it was a a alternate fight. I mean, I can't even think of anybody else you would you'd throw in there and whoever wins this fight. I mean, as you said, Archuleta coming off the, the loss to the champion. I mean, he was arguably the number two seed already going into mm-hmm. the tournament. Uh, he, he takes on the champion in the first round and, and Corrales was right there uh, after his big win over Pico uh, getting in there. And then he got, he got the tough draw of getting the, the grind out wrestler. So yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be outstanding. That's one of the ones I'm looking forward to here. Definitely, man. Me too. Uh, this one, uh, this one, uh, hard for me to call. I mean, uh, after after uh, Caldwell's performance, um, I mean, I keep thinking about his performance in the Garden, but I know he's a little heavier, obviously, uh, coming in for uh, since it's a featherweight Grand Prix Grand Prix quarterfinal, um, and uh, Borix undefeated. Uh, you know, I feel like he's he hasn't gotten enough attention. I think this this Grand Prix is probably getting him the attention he deserves. Um, but uh, I wouldn't uh, just because he's got the extra weight. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Caldwell grinds out a victory here. It, it might not again. It might not be something folks like watching, but you know, it, it it could be it could be lean towards him in that manner using his wrestling. But uh, you know, Borix has obviously done well against wrestlers before, so it's another one that I'm just excited to to watch. 
What do you think, uh, Nolan? What's your take? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it as well. I think this is finally Adam Borix has reached a level that everybody's wanted to see him compete at. I mean, Pat Carnes obviously a great win. Aaron Pico is a great win. But I think this is now uh, really the upper echelon of, of Bellator's 145-pound division, you know, top tier. If this was not in a tournament, this would be maybe a number one contender fight. So this is that level where, okay, now Adam Boris, we're going to see what happens when he inevitably gets challenged to some extent. I mean, we haven't it's, we haven't really seen him get challenged uh, too much or have to deal with too much adversity. So I'm excited to see this one. Um, I think that, like you said, uh, Boris has done well against wrestlers before. However, you know, Darion Caldwell, is, is that a different beast? I would say probably. Um, just it matters how much – it just means – all we have to take into account is how much of a beast is Darian Caldwell compared to what Aaron Borix is, is able to do in the wrestling category. Is he able to nullify Caldwell's attack? I'm excited for it. I think it's a great co-main event, and especially with the eyeballs that Cyborg will, will have on this card, uh, it will give them a little bit extra shine, and I'm excited for it, man. I think this might be my favorite fight on the card. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'm curious to see how it goes. Um, I think it's, it's going to be – you know, I don't mean to disagree with you guys. I think it could be a hit or miss fight. I think uh, I think the five rounds gives Borix a little bit more of a chance than if it was a three round fight because I think Caldwell obviously, when we saw his strategy against Corrales, I think it kind of it, Caldwell basically holds a lot of the the chips here as far as the excitement possible level of this fight. If he goes for the takedown and is just a blanket, which he's very capable of doing, um, it could definitely slow the fight down quite a bit. Um, if he's trying for submissions, if he's actually trying for a TKO finish, obviously that opens the door for for Barks to be able to, you know, transition out of of certain positions and and add some scrambles and such. So um, I, I just think it comes down to a find out, like you said, how how Barks is going to do against a wrestler, and um, and perhaps we'll find out if 145 is just too big for Caldwell um, when we start getting into the top level competition. So um, I hope it's a good fight. It is five rounder. Uh, so, I mean, I'm picking Caldwell. I, I think he'll probably grind out enough to win a decision here. Uh, but I, I'd love to see like a mass Fidel flying knee to start this thing and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and gear us up for this, uh, this super fight to, to finish the night out. Yeah. Uh, super fight main event. Uh, I don't know. I've been reading a lot uh, from, uh, I know Bud, uh, did interviews like a week, a couple weeks ago, and I'm, I'm starting to read them now stuff. She said, I mean, she, she feels like she's getting overlooked. Um, I mean, it's hard not to not to see why the odds are in Cyborg's favor, given Cyborg's uh, you know record and experience in in the sport. But uh, you know, I mean, obviously her last fight she didn't look good when she lost to uh, um, uh, wait, no, she won her last fight, right? She left on a win, UFC. Yeah, she beat uh, yeah. Spencer. Yeah, that's right. So she beat Spencer, but before that she lost to Nunes. And then they had the whole back and forth thing about Nunes, or whatever. So, um. I mean, uh, maybe folks are, are uh, forgetting or whatever, but uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bud pulls out a, an upset here. I mean, Cyborg's been fighting for a long time, and if we go back to what we talked about, you know, when we're looking at Cerrone in, in 246, you know, uh, she, granted she hasn't been as busy as him, but, I mean, um, you know, may, it depends on what Cyborg we see. If she fights smart the way she fought Spencer, the way she fought Holly Holm, I, I think she she might get this uh you know get get the night over with early enough, but uh, I mean Bud's no slouch. She's evolved a lot, and uh, she is she's not the champion for nothing. So, um, I'm I'm gonna uh, I know Bud is the underdog, but I wouldn't be surprised if she pulls off a victory. But obviously, you know we're all expecting Cyborg to win. I think anyway. What what about you, Nolan? Yeah, I mean I I think that this is gonna be the first time in a little while excluding the Amanda Nunes fight that Cyborg is going to have the fight brought to her as much as Julia Bud's going to bring it. Uh, With that said, I think Cyborg is is a step above Bud, um, but I just think that maybe Bud will be a little bit more open to uh, being aggressive compared to some of the other opponents that Cyborg's had. I think it would be fun. Uh, I think Bud will maybe have her moments where she'll impress people, but I ultimately think Cyborg will get it done. I'm going to say like later in like, you know, the fourth round or fifth round championship rounds, I think she might end it. But uh, I, I think Bud's going to prove to be one of the more tough tests that Cyborg's faced recently. I know that's not a high threshold considering, she, you know, she went from just dominating everyone to, uh, you know, the Avenger fight was kind of a stinker. And then having the, the, hmm. the uh, 
eventually having the title fight against Nunes where she got starched. So I think it'll be a good fight back and forth. I think it'll be more competitive than people think, but I also think Cyborg will win by TKO later, late, late, late in the fight. Yeah, I think Cyborg wins this fight as well. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see if uh, not that I mean Nunes is her own her own animal, but if you if you fight Cyborg and you throw straight punches, if you can get him in there, I think that that's the key. Um, I also think the key is not being afraid of Chris Cyborg. Hmm. So I, I don't think Julia Budd's going to fear her going into this fight, um, like perhaps we would have seen a little bit more of the the Tyson esque. Uh, you know, feel if, uh, it, it, without that Nunes fight. Um, so I, I think that, I think you have, I mean, you saw Felicia Spencer go in there and, and give a, a solid showing and didn't show a lot of fear, but, but cyborg overwhelmed her. This is a, I mean, I, I can't other than, uh, you know, uh, this is a huge step up in competition, basically for Bud. I mean, I know she fought Ronda Rousey earlier in her career and, uh, she had a, a ladder fight with um, Marlos Conan, who, who was who was kind of hmm. on the other side of her career when that fight happened. But um, I, I think we see uh, Cyborg hit Bud fairly early. Uh, Bud try to scramble. Uh, Cyborg maybe push it off and, and end up landing some stuff uh, while Bud's getting a little bit desperate for a takedown. And uh, and Cyborg like uh, like Connor the other night, like Fedor in his fight when she has her opponent down and, and injured uh there's no uh you don't get you don't get a second like uh Stephen a asked for t- you, <laughs> you, you, don't, you, you don't get a chance to catch your breath and 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 roam around the cage and, and figure out what your next move is if uh, if cyborg has you hurt she's going in for the kill um i'm thinking early third round uh Bud could come out, like I said, if she's throwing straight punches, but I think she eventually gets hit with something uh, like everybody other than basically Nunez has against uh, Cyborg. And, and I think it, it's going to rattle her a little bit. Um, like I said, a huge step up from the, the Olga Rubens and the, you know, no offense to any of her opponents. She's fought some tough, tough girls in Bellator, but I, I think this is a different animal for uh for a world championship. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to this card. I'm looking forward to this more than I was looking forward to last weekend's card. Um, and uh, plus uh, another little, a little note uh, when you talk about the big show, I mean, this event is at the LA forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how ticket sales are going right now. There's still quite a bit available when it's all said and done there, there's going to be, you know, eight, 9,000 people likely in the arena. Uh, Julia buds made her career basically fighting in, uh, in smaller uh, uh, Indian reservation casinos um, in Oklahoma and, and and such like that. So you could see a little bit of the bright lights um, effect that, uh, that could, that could potentially happen if, if that arena is rocking cyborg has a huge following, especially here in Southern California. And yeah. that, that, I mean that she's going to get a huge pop when she comes out. So. Well, you know, what's interesting about this is uh, like, they're both, I mean, uh, the, the events going on this weekend, you got the UFC event, an ESPN Plus streaming, and then we got the DAZN. This is a DAZN exclusive event, and they're both streaming. So I wonder how do they how do they figure the metrics? I mean, you probably get inside stuff for that, Nolan. I mean, I, I'm sure you you're, you'll have reports the following Tuesday, Wednesday after the weekend or whatever. But um, I mean, uh, the only reason I'm bringing it up is because uh, did you guys read that Variety uh, uh thing about about how uh the future of Bellator and, and with Viacom like. Steven Espinosa is supposed to be like uh, the guy that Scott Coker reports to now. And, I did um, see that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm not sure. The vibes that I'm getting is that people don't really know. Yeah. Like, they know as much as we do. A lot of the people that work for Bellator and management, whatever, I feel like it hasn't necessarily even been figured out from people above, 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 above them. So I think as of now, like the door's kind of open for anything to happen. It doesn't mean that it will. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that it is probably going to there's going to be a shakeup, uh, but it means that those that the things are in you know certain procedures are in place where that could happen, and there's a possibility. So there's been no indication of that yet, but who knows? You know, there, it could yeah. come. And, uh, at that time, it would be kind of interesting to see what happens. I'm sure that television deals and uh, you know Showtime and all that stuff will be a part of potential part of this, but um, beyond that, in terms of like the big picture stuff, in terms of the path that Bellator wants to pursue. Uh, I don't, I mean, I'm not really sure how this would impact that. I don't, and again, I don't think anybody really knows. So we'll have to stay tuned. Yeah. It's only January, but um, I mean, the way I look at it is, is 
I mean, at first I was like, oh, Steven Espinosa, yuck, you know, because of the whole thing uh, when, when they co-promoted the whole Maymac thing in the UFC. But it's Showtime CBS or Viacom CBS and Showtime. So if this gets Bellator on CBS, that could be great for Bellator. So that's the only plus that I see. And the other thing is, like, then if they start doing um, events on CBS, are they going to keep doing this multi-year? So I don't know how long the zone deal was when they initially announced it. I went to the uh, to the announcement the belt when Bellator announced it here in New York back in twenty was that 26, 2016, I think it was. And um, they called the, the I actually looked for the email when uh, that first happened, and they called it a multi-year deal. So I don't know how many years the multi-year deal is supposed to be for, but I mean, uh, I just feel like that's 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 uh, passing the buck to to you know changing the management like that's usually concerning. Um, but again, I mean, you know, I, I, we just watch and write write about the fights. We we don't know the business end of stuff, so like it's only January. We'll see what happens. So I, I mean. Uh, what do you, do you think, Matt? It's worth uh, signing up for the zone now, or should I wait until until an event pops up on CBS? Yeah, I don't know if I'd prepay for a whole year right now if Bellator yeah. go to event. I would I would wait and see what happens there. Uh, you know, the initial feeling was was not good, uh, just because you kind of start having the flashbacks to to uh, Strikeforce wrapping up, but then you also got to remember how how popular Strikeforce became um, on the. Uh, on the Showtime and CBS platform for the couple of shows they had. Yeah. Um, I'll never understand for the life of me why, if, if Viacom owns Bellator, why we're not seeing them on CBS, even if it's once or twice a year. Um, a Saturday night CBS lineup is, I mean, I don't even know what they have on it, but my, <laughs> and nothing yeah. you're going to get, you know, promote your events, get, get the names out there. That's how you, that's how you do it. When, uh, when strike force was on before the, the Nashville brawl incident, which basically uh, put that to an end, uh, uh, Fedor had a huge, um, I think he drew like four or 5 million, uh, which is 2 million more than the UFC was drawn on Fox in the last few years. Um, you had the elite XC, which, which killed it. Um, it was a different time in MMA when people were, were kind of just, coming over the hump and, and seeing guys like Kimbo Slice and Brock Lesnar and stuff like that. So there was a huge uh, drawing, a draw to it. Uh, Gina Carano, people like that uh, really mm-hmm. carrying the torch. But I just, you know, you got some guys like AJ McKee. I mean, you Bellator has some gold. Oh yeah. Some Absolutely. gold there. And if they figure out how to get their name out there um, and you get some kind of backing and, and you, and you pull a, three million four million dollar uh, or you view show on cbs i think you can really sway the whole the whole world of where mma is right now yeah. i mean you see guys winding ufc i think a lot of people uh, opinion on espinoza i didn't know espinoza really prior to the mayweather uh, mcgregor thing um and i think we can all agree that it's probably easier for for espinoza to deal with somebody like scott coker than it is for dana him and dana white mm. um I, so I think that they they might be able to work together in a more cohesive manner. Um, Bellator is not trying to load the prelim stuff like that. So you're not you're not you could go back to having five or six fight cards. Essentially, you know, if you really needed to, if it was just you know like a challenger show or yeah. something like that to get on sh- uh, Showtime and and keep getting your guys out there and just have one main of big main event. Maybe you have AJ McKeever or somebody, and then you have you know five you know up and coming bouts or something like that. So you really could start to work that out. And uh, I mean, yeah. it's really what we don't have. We don't really have an it's, up. It's, we don't have a challenger show. Like, yeah. like we did, we did, you know, and, well, and Dana, I mean, White, Dana White's uh, show fills that gap, but uh, yeah, you know, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the beginning again, it's January. A lot can happen. Uh, we got a lot to look forward to for the rest of the year. Um, uh, Nolan, no one's putting in work over there at MMA Junkie, writing some writing some really good articles uh, on the doorstep stuff, and 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 a lot of stuff talking about gold and MMA and and talent coming up. So, Nolan, uh, before we close out, why don't you uh, let us know what you're working on, where and where folks can follow you? Yeah, of course. So you guys can follow me. I forgot to include it down here, but you can <laughs> follow me on Twitter at MMA underscore Kings, uh, on Instagram at MMA or at Nolan King MMA. Uh, and yeah, I got some exciting stuff coming out, uh, busy time of year for MMA junkie, but I can't complain. Uh, I have a, a feature coming out on a fighter, 
uh, who's undergone some some medical issues recently. Uh, I got that coming out at the end of the week. Uh, former UFC or current UFC fighter. Uh, then I also will have the on the doorstep coming out for February. February is one of the best months in a while for regional MMA. There's a lot of shows that are you know they they take December January off and then February they're back. So the regional scene's strong in February. I'll have that coming out and then. Uh, as far as other coverage goes, I'll be uh, I'll be down in Mohegan in March. I think Ed, you'll I might see you there, and uh, sure. yeah, just just stay tuned, guys. We got a lot of good stuff coming. Awesome, uh, you're doing a great job. Congratulations on the full time. Thank you, I appreciate that, um, Yeah, I mean you're you're top dog right now, in my opinion, uh, on this stuff. So I enjoy your reading. Thank you. And, uh, appreciate it. I always love I always love coming on here to talk fights with people <laughs> that know what you're talking about. I love it. So Yeah, and, and obviously we really appreciate you coming on here and giving us your time. Anytime. Uh, fans can follow us at Combat Hour on Twitter, Coast to Coast Combat Hour on Instagram. Follow myself at MMAHawk21 on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Ed at Carbazal on Twitter and Carbeerzal on Instagram. He calls me the drunk, but he's got beer <laughs> in his Instagram name. So uh, <laughs> until next time, folks, uh, this is the Combat Hour, and uh, thanks for listening. Peace. Is it bad? I've never noticed that. <laughs> hey, guys. Ed here. East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions, and in some, the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, thanks again for listening, and if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout on the podcast, maybe uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.